Good morning, church. And good morning, everyone on live stream. I kind of don't know where to look at the moment. So just one eye here, one eye here. So like Pastor John said, this is my very first time preaching on a Sunday morning. And though I am very nervous, I am also very thankful for this opportunity that you've given to me to share with you. And even if there's not many of you here, I know there's plenty of you on live stream, and I'm not going to be discouraged because I'm going to press on because God has given me something to steward and to share with you. Amen. So I'm aware that probably not that many of you or not all of you know about me and my life story. So I want to first share with you a little bit something about myself and my journey BC before Christ and in Christ so that you can know a little bit of what my story is and what passions God has instilled in my heart. And that is to see my brothers and sisters live out their walk in consistent righteous living. So I'll try to give you a condensed version. My story begins in Malaysia where I was born. My grandmother raised me in my early years because my parents had a divorce. My dad disappeared from my life straight after the divorce. And my mom came to Australia, working hard and leaving everything she knew behind to pursue a new life and future for us. Soon, my grandmother's house also became a refuge for my auntie and her kids, my cousins, because their father had also vanished and left them with a huge amount of debt. So from a very young age, I picked up this very worldly thinking and belief that A, no one, especially men, could be trusted, and B, you can only rely on yourself. So independence was the goal. This meant my heart became hardened even when I was young. I was raised in an Islamic country and in a Buddhist family. I never, ever, ever heard about God, Yahweh, his son, Jesus Christ. Who's that? How could I? Who would tell me? But God. That's dangerous, that term. But God. As he said, no one can come to me unless the father who sends me draws him, right? He has his ways of reaching us. One day, my friend at school told me she had to go to church on the weekend. I was like, what's that? Never heard of it. And she said, oh, it's where we go to pray to God. And that's all she said. She didn't tell me who God was. She didn't elaborate. But I was shaken. This is why Christ stressed the importance of a faith like a child. The seven-year-old me did not doubt. I did not argue with myself. I went home, and that night I prayed. No one taught me how to pray. I instinctively knew how to, probably because God was the one who created that to be a natural thing anyway. It was his intention. So I prayed for my front teeth to grow because, unfortunately, some wacky dentist had ripped out my front teeth when they were not ready. 
at all to be ripped out, and they had not regrown for a very long time, maybe about a year, which was not natural. The very next day, new teeth were growing. I instantly ran and proclaimed to my aunt that I had prayed and my teeth had grown. Now, of course, my auntie laughed and dismissed me, but that didn't matter. I knew it was God, and that's what mattered. So I want to encourage us: if you feel like you don't know how to share with others, if you feel like you're not good with words, one sentence from my friend was all it needed to stir my heart. Just do it in faith, knowing that the Holy Spirit is the one planting seeds in others' hearts; that He's the one doing the work. Now, fast forward a few years, and I had come to Australia to live with my mum. It was a very strange situation for me. We shared the same blood. I called her mum, but I didn't know anything about this person due to the years of distance, and I felt like there was a big gap in our relationship. She was essentially a stranger. Hi, mum. She's probably watching right now. <laughs> And anyone who knows me and my mom can tell that we are very different people. We're similar, I guess, in the way that we love food. That's about it. But our personalities are very different. And I probably unconsciously reminded her too much of my father as well. So we clashed for a very long time, and I became very rebellious, hateful. Dark and angry, and even when she got so sick to the point of being bedridden and couldn't walk, I was looking after her, but I didn't like her. I hated her, but I still looked after her because that was my duty as a daughter. That was how bad it was. One fateful day, John came into our lives, and that's when we started coming to church. And at the time, we were back at Flowerdale Road at the other church, and then eventually we came here. And one day, I remember the presence of the Holy Spirit was really breaking out in this place, and there were people waving banners, dancing around, speaking incoherent gibberish tongues. I didn't know back then. And in my physical mind, I thought that everyone was crazy. Maybe it was a cult or something, <laughs> but in my heart, I saw the joy on people's faces, and I said to God, "I want that. Everyone here is joyful except for me." And it brings to my mind that verse, First Corinthians two, verse two: "For I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified." I wanted that. I was determined to have that, so I cried out to him every night, and he washed out all the hatred and despair and anger until one day he said, "Selah," and my heart knew peace for the first time. Now I can stand here in front of everyone and proclaim, "God has overturned everything in my life." I'm not going to say that it was easy. Everyone has to make progress. But from a broken home, he gave me a chance to experience family. 
And once I didn't believe in love and marriage, but he gave me a trustworthy husband. Once I was the notorious Barabbas standing next to Jesus. It was said that he was a murderer and a robber. I was also a liar and a thief. I was a lover of money, yet money could never stay in my pocket. Now he's taught me financial stability and provided income for me even all throughout this pandemic. And now he's given me a mandate and he's given it to all of us in the Great Commission. Matthew 26, verses 16 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He's given me this mandate to be discipled and to disciple others. So now for all of you who were here on Friday or who heard Pastor John preach on Friday, you might know what I'm talking about today because someone spilled the beans. I couldn't believe I was hearing. I was like, what? That's okay, I forgive you. <laughs> I believe it is divine timing that Pastor John spoke on awakening to righteousness because today I am going to speak about awakening to truth, awakening to destiny, and awakening to eternity. So I haven't stopped talking about myself yet. I'm going to tell you more about myself. One of my favorite hobbies is to sleep, if you can call that a hobby. My mother's side of the family has the blessing of being able to sleep anywhere at any time, a gift of which I have inherited. Now, you wouldn't think that it's such a dangerous activity, right? Go to sleep. It's good for you. But today we are going to read about someone who took a nap so good that it led to his death. We're going to read about Eutychus and his fatal nap. We are going to be turning together to Acts 20, and we're going to read verses 7 to 12. Give me a second. So here we see that Paul is ministering at Troas in Greece. Verse 7, starting. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in the window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, even till daybreak he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. So we see here, Paul preached till midnight and until daybreak for a long time until poor Eutychus took an untimely nap, fell out the window and died. The name Eutychus actually means fortunate in Greek. So he really had to test the weight, test out the weight behind his name, right? Yeah. So what was it that Paul preached about? 
Was it that boring that Eutychus fell asleep and died? It really brings new meaning to the term dead asleep. What is this story telling us? Is it a warning not to fall asleep in church? Having a look. <laughs> hmm? Is anyone convicted? I am. Or for the preacher to not speak too long? Don't worry. I won't go too long. Lest someone falls asleep and dies? Well, one thing is for sure. It is definitely about God's grace and demonstrates his miraculous power when he raised Eutychus up from the dead. But even deeper than that, what I gleaned from it was a warning. Don't be careless with the word of God. It's talking about the dangers of being spiritually asleep. Be careful so you do not get sluggish and inactive in your spiritual life. Indeed, be spiritually awake. We are warned many times in the Bible to be vigilant. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now we all know this verse, I'm sure. But here the word, the Greek word for sober does not just refer to not being drunk, but it can be rooted in the term sophroneo, to be of sound mind, to have God-controlled perspective. It refers to thinking, wisdom, and good judgment. So don't be a sleepy sheep, but be a sharp shepherd instead, guarding against the enemy. Furthermore, how many times did Jesus rebuke the disciples for sleeping and for not keeping God, not praying? Matthew 26, verse 40, Jesus rebuked the disciples. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Straight after that, watch and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now let's go back to the text. Paul was going to depart the next day, it tells us that. Time was short and the message was important. Let me repeat that. Time was short and time is short. It's of the essence now. That's why he was so determined to preach and that's why he preached for so long. He knew that the people had to hear this message and it's exactly the same for us. We don't have much time. Are we urgent to share and are we hungry to receive? The mention of lamps burning as well in the room reminds me of the parable of the ten virgins. Is our lamp burning? Are we ready? In the chapter before, we see that Paul in Ephesus was speaking boldly, outrageously. The people had not heard of the Holy Spirit before until he came and told them. And it says that, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. This is mind-blowing stuff. This is life-changing things. It will completely change your life to see this, to hear this. Yet I question, why did Eutychus fall asleep? This is when I began to hear God correcting me as well. You see, I could see myself in Eutychus. 
I was also a believer that fell asleep. And when I was asleep, I was as good as dead. You see, I am so blessed to know the works of the Holy Spirit. I'm blessed to be able to sit freely under the word. And I've witnessed so many miracles as a Christian. But for a long time, I was not hungry for the word. And it wasn't a reality in my heart. It wasn't truth in my heart, even though I knew, had knowledge, that this is what God says to do. I was not hungry for God. It says in the passage that Eutychus was overcome by sleep. Has anyone here been overcome by sleep? I was for many years of my life overcome by sleep. If I was not working, if I was not at church, if I was not out with friends or whatever, I was sleeping. I had no motivation to do anything. My room was a disgusting mess, and that reflected how messed up my heart was. I failed at everything I started to do. I've, once I failed every class in the semester in uni, I couldn't do it by my own strength. I was exhausted because it was exhausting to try and keep up the facade of being a faithful Christian of being a good leader. On Friday night, Pastor John called us to be awakened to righteousness. For long, I was not awakened to righteousness. I was exactly the person he described. I was a reveler and I was a hedonist. I thought I could still go to the club and be righteous. You know, get drunk the night before, turn up for church, stumble through church, go home and sleep. I was exhausted because fear gripped me, the fear of man and the fear of God's judgment, but also the fear of the burden of having to carry the cross. Because as we know, there are actually a lot of things to do when you are a Christian. Jesus asked us to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. He asked us to feed the hungry and the poor. And of course, commissioned us to disciple nations. The nations, I couldn't even discipline myself. So I knew that my character could not withstand the commission. I fell asleep and I needed to fall out the window to be revived by God. God is faithful, amen, and I believe his plans and his purposes do not change and they cannot be thwarted. But I also see that we ourselves are the ones that can make it take longer to fulfill. So eventually I was put in the position of being a youth leader, of preaching, and now becoming a young adults group leader. And through that, God has reawakened my heart to compassion and instilled in me the fear of the Lord. And you know how I really know that I've been awakened now? Last year, we were exactly in the same position in lockdown, right, in June, as we are right now. And what was I feeling? I was feeling relieved. 
because I was running on empty. I wasn't living with the constant infilling of an intimate relationship with God. So because of lockdown, I didn't have to lead youth group anymore. I didn't have to wake up early for church. Woohoo! Honestly, I was a whitewashed tomb with empty bones, just like the Pharisees Jesus rebuked. But come today, as we are in lockdown again, I'm not the same as last year. I'm praying and I'm contending for my nation. And I'm praying wholeheartedly that church will open once again to everyone because I don't want the progress that we are making to stop. I want us to keep having fellowship. I know God is moving in our church and I don't want us to be complacent anymore. I want the people I'm discipling to live out the fullness of purity, of peace and power. So what do I have to do? I have to lead by example as well. One of the most important things I keep reiterating in our group is the importance of transparency. Our testimonies have power and it will encourage others. We're starting to learn about sin. And I love that we can be real and say that we all struggle. So let's talk about it. But let's not say that it's okay. Let's hold each other accountable. Because iron sharpens iron, right? So now that we are awakened to our eternity and our destiny, there's another thing I want to point out. Why did Eutychus take up such a dangerous position by the window if he was feeling sleepy, right? Positioning is important in our daily walks, I believe. We know that we are positioned at the foot of the cross. We're positioned at the feet of Jesus. We even sit with him at the table and eat. And in Revelation, he says that if we overcome, he will even grant us the right to sit with him on the throne. But if we position ourselves to be, to try to be of heaven and of this world, it will not work out well. So just share with you something. There's danger in being sleepy, right? This morning I was half awake and I tried to turn the aircon on with the remotes. But it just wouldn't turn on. And why? I was pointing the TV remote at it. It's not in the right position. It's just not going to work. And another thing, another funny story about um, being half asleep and the dangers of being half asleep. I was walking to the bathroom and I stepped on the dog's poo. <laughs> Because I didn't, I wasn't awake, so that's the dangers. If you position yourself around temptation, what do you think is going to happen? The enemy is sneaky, don't forget that. When Jesus was fasting in the desert and he was hungry, thirsty, he was starving, the devil showed up to test him, right? What was the first thing he talked about? with Jesus? What was the first thing he tempted him with? Bread. The grace of God delivers and is more than enough to overcome, but be aware of your weakness. 
Once I was awakened to truth and to righteousness, I knew that there were things that needed to be cut off. As the psalmist writes, he created in me a new heart. Now let me show you, let me demonstrate oh, my transformation, okay, from being asleep and dead to being awake in Christ. I now cannot physically stomach songs with disgusting lyrics anymore. Whereas in the past, honestly, I would sing along, like, not that I believed it, but it's just catchy, so I just sang along. I don't even want to watch anything dirty anymore, and I'm much more careful with what I watch. And let me tell you, I had to go through my YouTube feed and block a lot of things because temptation is rife. There are a lot of things that you shouldn't be watching. Don't even get into it. When I was asleep as a Christian, I was uncouth. Now he's purified my lips and helped me to stop gossiping. And most importantly, in this season, he's awakened me to faith. He's taught me newfound faith that I didn't really understand before. To stand in faith for my friends and family and to contend for them. To give me opportunities to share. When I was asleep, my heart was dead as well. I would not care if others went to hell if I didn't know them. You know, if I didn't have a personal relationship with them, like, well, that's not my problem. I wasn't serving my community. I wasn't feeding the poor and the hungry and the lowly. And I wasn't making his love and his name known. But now he's lit a flame of compassion for the lost. Let's not be double agents anymore. Let's not lead double lives. But let's live out a godly lifestyle instead. Just one life, one face, no more facades. He's also really awakened me to pray and to be more aware of the supernatural and of the spiritual because it's real, right? So every day now, I absolutely have to pray before I go out. Though I'm praying at work, especially at work because I work in Liverpool and the atmosphere is so dark. And um, Keisha shared something in youth group about how, I mean young adults group, about how her mom used to get them to stomp their feet before, you know, when they woke up so that the kids knew that the enemy was under our feet. And, you know, we laugh about it. It's like a bit childish, but it's, that's awesome. Like, I'm stomping my feet now because it's just a constant reminder that we need to put on that armor of God. We need to protect ourselves. Let me tell you, it's important to pray over yourself. It's important to contend for your friends and family and your workplaces. Because the other day, I didn't even know this, um, one of our customers 
well, my workmate told me after, she was reading, like she said, a Bible on witchcraft. So she was a witch. But as God said, no weapons shall come to harm us. Like we can even use, he can even use the bad for good because through that, I could share with my coworker that there is truth in this, in the supernatural. But if there's a bad, then there has to be a good. And that I could share with her that at church, you know, we see miracles happen. We see people getting delivered. And she was blown away. She never heard of this before. Like she just thought that people that were demon possessed and she thought they were just meth heads, you know, but I'm like, no, there's truth to this. Not to exalt the dark side, not to put any power on the enemy, but to show that God is above everything and there is nothing to fear. So, yes, Eutychus fell asleep and he died. But God had the grace to bring him back to life. There is no condemnation in Jesus. Be awakened to truth. Be awakened to destiny and be awakened to your eternity. I want to finish with this. And I want to pray for everyone here and on live stream. If you're not awakened but you want to be awakened to the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you right now for that hunger to come back into your lives and into your heart right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, come and shake. Holy Spirit, come and infiltrate all the places of our hearts, all the dark places, all the corners, Father. If you've fallen into sin, I want to pray that God will give you the conviction to turn back to him. Repent and be set free. Don't go around in cycles anymore. And I want to pray for those who are paralyzed by fear especially because I was there at one point. And I know it's especially exacerbated in these stressful times. I can really feel it. People are gripped by fear. Those who feel that you can't move, I pray, God, that you come and unbind that fear right now, wherever you are. People on live stream, unbind that fear, Holy Spirit, right now. Just receive him. Lord Jesus, release my brothers and sisters into freedom to live out their righteous destiny, Father. I also have a few words of knowledge. Jesus is looking for those who will be brokenhearted for his people, for the lost and the lowly. And if you feel as though as you lack in this area, I want to pray for you right now. Supernatural compassion and faith to believe in others, to believe for others will become to will begin to be birthed in your heart right now 
because I know what it was like to have a hard heart and not care for others. But that is not God's way of justice because he died for all of us. I also believe that this is a season of forgiveness. God taught me unforgiveness will rot your heart. It is like a dead animal that resides in there and it just stinks and, it can't, and you can't get rid of it. So the only thing you can do is forgive. Come to, come to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your power, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you help us to forgive our brothers and sisters, our mothers and fathers, Lord. And I really believe, as I shared this, I really believe that there is unforgiveness in people towards their mother. And I believe that God wants to do a restorative work in the relationships between mother and child. So if you have unforgiveness towards your mother, I believe that you need to repent of it right now and you need to forgive them and release the judgment you had on her. Amen. Another one. Those who are looking for relationships, if you want a godly woman, a godly man, you have to first make sure that you have a godly character. So don't worry about that. God is saying, don't worry about that. Come and seek me first and he will provide. Come and sow into him. And lastly, this is very strong, I feel it. God said, stop watching porn. Forsake filth. It is like a snake that is just twisted around your mind, your eyes, your heart your will and emotion, and thank you, Lord Jesus, that this snake is unbound in your name. There's no right and left about this. You need to stop. Come and repent right now. Give it up. Ask the Lord to cleanse your eyes. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're cleansing the eyes and the hearts and our bodies, Father, of my brothers and sisters, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you renew us and you cleanse us afresh, Father. We are a new creation, Lord. Things that used to chain us down in the past, Father, no longer have any power over us, Father. You have broken it, Lord.